Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, hello, hello, hello. Like they said, I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today's topic, I will admit that I'm a little biased about. We will be talking about motherhood and the lessons learned from the process of becoming a mother. And since I'm a mother myself, I understand all too well that growth and personal development that comes from giving birth and raising a child. My guest today, Julia Aziz, is a licensed clinical social worker who leads private classes and silent retreats exploring the bigger questions of self and purpose. In the past, Julia worked as a counselor for children, adults, couples, and families. In recent years, Julia has facilitated a personal group team Hold on. A personal growth group for teens. <laughs> Tongue tied there. And uh, a soul of service retreat for counselors and a mindfulness group for new mothers. Julia is hanging out with me today as we discuss labor, motherhood and her book titled Lessons of Labor. One woman's self-discovery through birth and motherhood. Thanking Julia in advance for making time to chat with me today and extend a big welcome her way. Julia, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you for having me. Got a little tongue-tied there, but I'm going to get through it, you know, still struggling <laughs> with this New Year stuff and all this. So, so how are you doing today, dear? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, awesome, awesome. So you are a mom. Um, so how many how many kids are there? I have three kids. They're nine, seven, and four. Oh, just back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. Walking I mean, around. I stopped, I wouldn't want to go back. So. <laughs> so you run around pulling your hair out and gray hair early and all of that stuff? <laughs> It's, it's it's a lot. There's a lot of energy in the house. For sure. Okay, okay. So what what are they? Boys and girls? How how? What's the breakdown? I've got two boys, and the youngest is a girl. Um, awesome. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, it feels easy now comparative to you know the past four years. Okay, <laughs> so year, I feel like I've finally hit the sweet spot. You know, I don't have a teenager yet, and I'm out of the toddler years, and it's like this is it. <laughs> it's gonna last oh. maybe a year. So was there ever a time, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just reflecting back on my own, was there ever a time like there was two in diapers and running around causing you crazy? Or was there like a gradual progression? One was off and running and the other one came along? There was always someone in diapers for about okay. nine years. Um, okay. Yeah, and I was either pregnant or breastfeeding for pretty much all of eight and a half years. So when those things ended, I felt such a resurgence of life energy. I, It's, it's amazing. <laughs> So this it is what it's like. <laughs> glad to have done it, but, you know, I'm also glad to have my body back, too. There you go. That's what it's like to not have somebody attached to me for eight years. That That is a – that's a commendable feat there, you know. Um, I guess, you know, you really put it in perspective there. I, I didn't even think about that. To have them, you know, with the, the age spacing and, you know, the choice of breastfeeding and stuff there, you know, and all of that and the diapers, you were constantly in – taking care of, of little things running around there for a long stretch there now, but now they've got their independence and they're off on their own kind of. Yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, like the youngest is still four, but compared to all that, yeah, it feels like, oh, people can do some things on their own. They can get dressed, <laughs> you know, they can go to the bathroom. Awesome, awesome. And and hubby throughout this whole time, he was uh, caught up in the chaos? Yes, he is <laughs> definitely very hands-on, um, and he was a kindergarten teacher for nine years, and um, so he he's he kind of just takes it all in stride. <laughs> good. It's always good when you have partnership. I remember when I was uh, younger, one of my cousins, uh, second cousin, so she's much older than me, she told me that, uh, you know, whenever you decide to, you know, become a mother, you know, even if you have a good partner, you need to realize that 80% of the motherhood is still, you know, parenting thing is still going to fall on you. So, you know, just be prepared to take on that challenge. And, you know, I was like, no, you know, I've got a good, you know, man, a husband, you know, he's going to be in there. It's going to be 50-50. And, and boy, did I learn, even though he pulled his weight, you know, mm-hmm. it was still a lot of it was me yeah it's interesting how um i feel like in in this generation of mothers we're sort of told like everything should be equal you know we should split everything but but the roles are different and it doesn't even it's not that everyone has to follow the traditional role but um it just doesn't that just doesn't isn't how it works out i don't think for most people and um, and I think that that causes a lot of struggle in, in marriage, too, especially, you know, the transition from 
being two independent adults that are in a couple in a romantic love relationship to becoming parents is is quite a shift. Yes, it is, you know, and, and nobody gives us a handbook, unfortunately, so we're winging a lot of this stuff as we go along. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh yeah. So let me let me ask about Julia before, you know, motherhood and before becoming a wife. You you spent some time gallivanting across the country. Did I read that correctly? Yes. Um I I moved around quite a bit and I I also took sort of a year-long sabbatical and went to Asia to study Buddhism and meditation and uh kind of Nepal and Australia, Spain. I I did a lot of traveling in my 20s and um a lot of just sort of exploring different philosophies and wisdom paths, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it was good because by the time I started really feeling kind of baby fever and kind of wanting to root more and find a partner, I felt like I was ready because I had been moving around so much. <laughs> so it's time to settle down. Now, with all this, you know, learning these different um, spiritual um, techniques and stuff, you should have been more than amply prepared to be a mother, right? Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Because I read, you know, <laughs> I, read, I read your book, right? And I'm, I'm like kind of going through it, and I'm like, okay, yes, yes, I can see some personality traits in me that she had before mm-hmm. becoming a mother because I tend to be, um, you know, like this habitual planner and organizer and everything mm-hmm. has to be in place. But, um, you know, is it safe to say before you became a mom, you know, you just kind of thought like, I've got this, you know, I'm just going to, you know, read this book and I'm going to follow, you know, that write this down on a paper and everything is going to go like this. Or did you know it was just going to be this, this kind of whatever kind of thing? Um, I didn't know how it was going to change me. And I, I had no idea what it was going to be like. I definitely wasn't um, overconfident about it. I, I'd say I was more uh, I, I felt by like sort of my body was like ready. You know, I felt very okay. ready physically and emotionally to do it, but I wasn't, I had no idea. Yeah, like because I am, like I've, I've, I'm a good planner and, you know, those kinds of skills served me well in the work world and as a student in school and, you know, like I, I'm organized and I can, um, you know, I can be efficient and get things done. <laughs> and not, like all of that worked completely against me. I had a baby and so that was a huge learning curve for me to like continually have to let go of my plans and be able to like to really learn what it means you know I've been yeah I've been studying Buddhism and meditation and all it's all about being in the moment and being present but um, that just pushed it to a level of needing that for survival. Okay, awesome. I just picture, you know, the whole, the transition from the first baby to the third baby and seeing who Julia was and who she is now, you know, being an outsider looking at it, it must be a, a, a very amusing feat to see the growth. But uh, I'm, I'm just picturing, you know, the first baby. Did you read all the books in advance? And, um, you know, we were, you know, scouring the Internet for all the facts right. and figures. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, scouring the Internet, like looking at every little symptom of pregnancy on there and just, yeah, how, like I remember like meeting with a friend to make a registry of like what are all the things I need, you know, and this is how this is how we're going to sleep and this is how I'm going <laughs> to breastfeed, and, you know, just like all of this as if there was some kind of like this is the right way to do it and um, I'm going to just, you know, study up and do it well and, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> um, awesome. I feel like that attitude actually was a real setup. Uh huh. Awesome, awesome. So, um, did you have, um, you know, sometimes it's best to have like mentors. So, like, was your mom or grandmother, some older ladies around, you know, kind of, you know, shaking her head and like, oh, we're just waiting for Julia to learn her lesson. We're just going to sit and watch this whole thing. Um, I unfortunately don't live near any of my family. Okay. okay. Um, and I did have friends that had had babies before me, but I do, like, when I talk to new moms now, or especially pregnant women, I, I feel like that's so important to have a mentor, to have someone who's gone through it before you, who that who you can really resonate with, you know, um, and someone to go through it with you, someone who's kind of, like, right there in the mess of it with you at the stage you're at. Um, <laughs> it's like, both, like, a woman of each... You know, each type is is so essential for that transition. Um, and I, I had, I definitely had friends that were helping me through. But um, 
I mean, I went into somewhat of a postpartum depression, especially after the second baby was born. And mm. uh, it took a, a long time to kind of emerge out of that. Okay. So did you, um, were you working before the first baby? Did you work after? Or, I mean, what was your career process throughout the whole three kids? Um, so when I was pregnant, I was a school counselor um, okay. at an alternative school um, when I, when I got pregnant for the first time, I actually had a miscarriage, and I was at that job then and stayed there. And then partway through that, uh, my pregnancy with my first child, um, I started having I had a lot of, like, stress-related contractions okay. because the job was very stressful. And so I ended up leaving that job just a few months before my due date, um, which really was this beautiful period of my life <laughs> when I think about it now. It's like these three months where I didn't, wasn't taking care of anyone but myself in a pregnant state, you know, and I just slept and I ate and I took little walks, you know, and it was Good deal. Um, such a nice time for reflection. And then once uh, that my first child was born, I um, had a part-time job leading a group for teens. And okay. then um, about four years ago, I switched to a different part-time job at a integrative medicine school and now I'm doing that and hospice chaplaincy and also doing independent retreats. So now I've got a bunch of part-time jobs going on. Um, and one child left who's not yet in school. She's next year. She'll, she'll go to kindergarten and we will all be off on our way. Okay. Still a big test to, to balance all of the part-time job and the, you know, getting up in the morning and getting two off to school and entertaining the one that's at home. And, you know, I, I would have been rocking back and forth in a corner by now. So, I mean, much, much kudos to, to you. Now well, you're saying, I, you, go ahead, dear. Oh, I just, I, I think it's so individual to the person. You know, I, yeah. I was in a, the community that I was in when I started having children was very, sort of pro stay at home and mm. home birth and, you know, like kind of hippie mama. And, yeah. and I felt like that was what I was, I should do. And I mean, I, a part of me really wanted to, but another part was kind of like, that's what you, if you're, you know, that's what I should be doing. And, uh, and so I had a part-time job, but I felt like it wasn't, um, it was only over time that I realized that it was really important to me to, that I have work that was meaningful mm. to me and that I could, just have an area of my life where I could feel confidence and I could be growing and not um, using motherhood for that because it was <laughs> it just that wasn't working out. Um, so for me, it's like a better balance for me to have sometimes you know like I'm able to pick the kids up after school and have that like kind of a more relaxed afternoon, but also have work um, has been really important for me. Yeah, yeah, I I know um, there was a time period for myself um, after I had given birth to my daughter, um, you know, I kind of sat around and it it got really um, irritating to me quickly because I needed the interaction of somebody else besides this little being here. You know, I loved her to death, but, you know, I just I just needed something else besides her. And, you know, I mean, it worked. Everybody, it's like you said, it's an individual thing. You know, some people can do it and and, and some people need that that outside uh, interaction and engagement in their life. Yeah, I, I very much think that um, I would never say that one way is better than another because I, I know stay-at-home moms that that is like, they love it. You know, they're, they're yes. so nourished by doing that kind of nurturing. And I know women who work full time and that that helps them really enjoy their children when they're with them. And then they feel really good about what they're doing in their work. And I think, um, yeah, I feel like for, for me, a lot of it and part of why I wrote the book was just I feel like it's just so important not to put pressure on each other or on ourselves that uh, there's one way we should be doing it. Yes, it's all for the individual. What, what, what works for you, and you have to find what works for you. Uh, Julie, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about baby one, two, and three. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me and I'm your host, Lana Reed, and today I'm hanging out with Julia Aziz. She's the author of the book Lessons of Labor, One Woman's Self-Discovery Through Birth and Motherhood. And uh, Julia, with 
the first child, um, you, you wrote something in your book uh, called, or you, you said, labor begins when other labors cease. Um, what what made you write that, or what was that all about? What were you going through? Um, I believe that's the first chapter. Is it? Yes, the first chapter. Uh huh. Um, fine. Yeah, I um, felt like when my my very first labor began, I you know I could feel sort of like menstrual light cramping, and I was so like, oh, let me pack my bag and. Let me get everything ready, and just even though, of course, it already was ready because I was so <laughs> overprepared for the for the thing. So, um, but I just got really into, oh, it's going to happen, and and all excited about it. And that it wasn't until I like really gave over into what my body was doing that it it could actually kind of like progress and move on. Um, and that it was it was sort of like time for me to say like, okay, I've done enough preparation, and. And it's happening now, you know, to just see with it happening now. And and in the book, I kind of liken that to um, other things, like such as being at work and being in in the middle of something, and then having to just go and leave it because it's um, because that's the time. And I feel like becoming a parent, or it's when you need to go pick up your kid, you need to go pick up your kid. It's not like oh, let me stay another twenty minutes and finish this up, you know. So. Um, so yeah, I feel like that was that was one of the first lessons for me, um, at least in retrospect of mm-hmm. of what labor had. Okay. Now that that kind of leads me to you know something you said leads me to um, something else I read in your book and the point you made about being a parent when it's time for you to go pick up your child you have to put stuff down and you have to go. There's a tendency we have, um, you know, to, you mentioned this to, to like want to finish stuff to completion, but sometimes. You know, you just have to be, this is good enough, and I'm going to put this down. And, um, you know, at what, you know, at what point of your, your motherhood or the labor process did you come to terms with, with this lesson? Yeah, I think that, that lesson of, of good enough, like just letting, letting it be, not, not needing <laughs> to work on something till perfection is, is so important. And, um, uh, you know, something I, I mentioned in the introduction, and I, I really believe, is that all of these things are kind of revolving lessons. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, in some, like I can see the growth, but then it's not like I that this will come up for me again somewhere else, and I'll need to I'll need to remind myself of that. You know, that mm-hmm. um, that I mean, certainly with writing the book, when I was kind of finishing the final draft of it, that came up again. It was like. At some point, you just turn it in. You know? <laughs> I, I can only reread and reread so much. Right, right, and then and then it's over, and then you move on. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like my first labor, I was, I fought it. I really fought that first labor, um, and it really wasn't until somewhere in the middle of the second, with my second child, in my second labor that I, I like shifted into this different approach with it um, that made it so much easier. Okay. And that, that kind of all ties into, you know, there's another piece in that first part of the book you're talking about with uh, the first child is resistance. You know, a, a lot of times we, we kind of fight things. We want them to be certain ways. And, you know, um, there, there's such liberation and freedom and in, in kind of letting go and saying, you know, this is this is going to be what this is going to be and, and I'm going to, I'm going to adjust to to what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's definitely for me a, a a point of awareness all the time. It's just okay. Where am I resisting this experience, and can I just have a little more space with that and let it be how it is? Like, for instance, if um, I wake up in the morning and a child's sick and I can't go to work or something like that, you know, it's like the giving up this sort of like, ah, how am I going to do all this? You know, yeah. it's just like, this is what life served up today. You know? <laughs> We're going to go with it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've learned to, to, uh, to deal with that in my own personal growth is like, I am where I'm supposed to be at every point in time in my life when I'm supposed to be there. So whatever I'm going through, I'm supposed to be going through this. So Lana, suck it up and, and, deal with it, you know, and, and go with it and, and see what what the lesson is, the beauty is, or what piece of your journey this is supposed to be. So, you know, and, and it makes life so much more easier because I used to be, you know, 
like fighting it. Like, no, no, I got to place this there. I got to do this. And, and I would like mm-hmm. bump my head up against brick walls all the time trying to make this be what Lana wanted to be. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, you have to, you have to let, I mean, and it's such a, it's just a process in your journey. It's, it's, it's hard to do to let us say, okay, I'm just going to let this be. I'm, I'm just going to let this go and, and, and go with it and, and experience what this is at this point in my life, you know. Yeah, I find that to be, it's like such an, a relief when I allow myself to shift perspective in that way instead of, like, I want to be in charge and how am I going to get what I want and this is how I, you know, it should be and to just go more into a receptive energy of curiosity, really. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. what's going on here? Let me, like, explore this and um, what can I learn from it and, you know, where's the magic here? Where's the love, you know, and, and not not getting so caught in my own desire wheel. Yes, right. That's right. Now, the first baby you had, um, I believe, at a hospital, but the second two you had at home, is that correct? Yes. Okay. What what made you change and, and, and adjust to to that? Um, well, like I said, I mean, I was very influenced by the sort of subculture that I'm a part of in, in Austin, and um, so I had known a lot of people that had done home births before and had sort of seen what that process was like. And, and part of it was that, um, like with my first birth in the hospital, I, the doctor that I had been seeing all the time, towards the end of my pregnancy, we kind of got into a thing, and I mm-hmm. realized that he wasn't that supportive of, of kind of my, the way I wanted to go. <laughs> and, uh, but she wasn't there for the birth, and she ended up not being there for my postpartum visits either. And it was oh, wow. just... There, it wasn't like there was no closure to that, and it didn't feel like that relationship ever really um, came together in a certain way. And um, I, I just wanted to. The difference for me with doing the home birth was really that relationship with the midwife. That they were the ones. You know, I saw the same person for all the visits, and then they were there at the birth and um, for the whole birth. You know, and it, it just. Uh, it was mainly just, it's kind of like the same thing that led me to do a lot of traveling in my 20s. It was sort of for the experience okay. of that and what that would be like. Um, and, yeah, and having somewhat of a, I mean, mostly it was a positive experience in the hospital, but um, kind of all the craziness that goes on over there, I was, I was hoping to do without. Okay, okay. So you knew going into the second pre- pregnancy from conception that you were going to have the baby at home yeah i mean as long as as long as i, I had an ultrasound mid-pregnancy and as long as there okay. were no complications um yeah i i knew that i wanted to do that awesome awesome i um i had a midwife but it was in the hospital experience so I'm, i've always been a you know advocate of uh, alternative options when it comes to pregnancy so i i just i think that's that's amazing you know it just thinks it um enhances the the bond it's it's more of an enjoyable experience for a stressful situation already um and and like i said you have some more um intimate one-on-one with the person who's helping you uh, bring life into this world you know sometimes the whole uh and not knocking on the whole medical profession but sometimes doctors it is kind of a like a little habitual assembly line kind of thing so (laughs) i don't think they they want it to be that way you know but it's just the way it's set up with the appointments and when I when I had my first child, that wasn't an option here in Austin. They didn't um, the midwives weren't allowed to work in hospitals, so the only way that you could work with a midwife was at a birthing center at home. Um, but that's what I would have had that been an option. I would have taken that the first time around. But yeah, I mean, it, it was so different to go. You know, I had actually different midwives for each of those second children, and um, but I'd go and like meet at their house. You know, yeah. for sometimes over an hour, and sometimes our conversations would be about kind of the emotional effects and not the physical, and it was just, it was a completely different experience. Um, and, you know, they, you know, some of them came to my book release, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a different kind of relationship, and I feel so, so much heart for them. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you think about the person who is responsible for assisting you and bringing life into this world, you know, in some sort of way, they are becoming uh, an extended family member, and and we should be allowed to um, establish these relationships with them because, you know, they are, they're there with us at a very monumental point in our lives, but, you know, like I said, with 
the the setup and design of the traditional um, medical field when it comes to giving birth. You know, it kind of takes away from that. And I just think, you know, reiterating once again, I think the midwife experience just it enhances the whole uh, experience for a mother. And uh, I mean, mm, I, I very I empowering. Just, Yes, very, very much so, very much so. Now, you said um, in your book, there's a quote that I really like. It says, when I gave time less of my attention and uh, what experience more and you experience more of the present. I think I messed that whole up. But um, <laughs> what was it? Uh, what was it about time? How does that relate? Give time less of your attention and that allowed you to be more in the present. Mm. Yeah, I think that was having to do with kind of feeling like I'm on the clock all the time. Yeah. I was just talking with some friends that are moms about this recently, that um, as much as I enjoy getting together with them with, and their children, this, <laughs> this sort of play date, you know, that is like a two- to three-hour excursion where and you have to plan it in advance, and then you go and you have this certain amount of time in between meals, you know, and then you go home. <laughs> and, and it's good, but there's something about kind of like organic time where you just spend like a full weekend and just let, you know, meals happen when they happen and yes. um, not not just watching the clock and having to get to the next appointment and and not having that type of time awareness. It's so um, freeing and I feel like there's a relaxation in that that um, it's very hard to access when you're very busy and um, especially a parent because there's always some kind of responsibility there waiting for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like um, it's really helped me to to not to have some some like carved out spaces where I don't need to have things planned. Mm-hmm. Just let it go, and whatever whatever it's going, we're going to go that direction. Um, yeah, you know, and and you know, like I said, this whole thing of being a parent, uh, you know, there's certain realities to it. You know, the kids got to get off to school, clothes need to be washed, we've got doctor appointments or whatever. But sometimes we get so caught up in the you know that that we forget to you know just have those days where you know what we're going to wake up and you know if we have dinner for breakfast everybody's going to be fine with it and you know if we don't brush our teeth or get out of our pajamas you know we're just going to have a good time today and and Mm -hmm. and just be present in this space and time and uh, you know sometimes it's hard to kind of not get up and feel like you know we have to be obligated to something you know yeah definitely Awesome. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Julia, stay with me. We'll be right back right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with Julia Aziz, and we're talking about her book, uh, Lessons of Labor. And uh, in your book, you talk about something that I, I think that mothers, we really struggle with, and it's this concept of care of self. And, you know, we're running around, we have to take care of these little beings, and if you're a wife, you kind of have to take care of the household and, you know, him and stuff like that. You know, I think it's something that um, mothers, we kind of overlook and neglect. Uh, how, how do mothers even begin, or what, what, why is it so important to really understand that, that you have to do this process of self-care? I mean, I feel like we, as a culture, we give a lot of lip service to it. You know, it's like, oh, you know, no one's happy unless mama's happy, and mm-hmm. you have to fill your own tank first and things like that. There's a lot of things, but, um, but I feel like there's almost sometimes a competitiveness about, like, how much we're willing to sacrifice, you know, to <laughs> do for our children. And, and um, I do think it's essential because, um, you can't give what you don't have, you know, and um, I, I think for me it really just begins with an awareness of that, you know, I am also a human being, just like these children, you know, like we yes. are all, we all require, you know, food, we all require sleep, we all require um, rest, you know, that's not sleep, but just downtime or um, to, to feel nourished in, in ways and, um to, to keep yourself in the awareness of everyone who needs to be cared for, you know. So, like, you are part of the family that you're caring for, not just, okay, this is my job is to serve everybody, but to include yourself in that, um, mm-hmm. I think is so important. 
Mm-hmm. So is there ever any times where you kind of look at the whole clan, husband and the three kids and say, look, Julia needs her time. Y'all go away and leave me alone. Um, I, I feel like I have kind of a, I require quite a lot of self-care. <laughs> that's what I've realized over time is that it was like I thought I, I should be satisfied with, you know, just little pieces here and there. But I've found that I really need things regularly in my life. Like I have a meditation group I go to every week. I, um, I walk every day. Um, there's, you know, I, I go and see my girlfriends away from the family. Um, there's a lot, like over time I've been able to add in more of what I used to do. You know, I feel like in my twenties I knew how to take care of myself very well, you know, um, cause I had all this, you know, that's all there was to, to focus on in some ways. And, um, so, and I've, I see that the, the children as they've gotten older and can kind of like have that awareness, they, I can now just tell them about that. Like, you know, what? even, even if we're in the middle of something, like we might, they might be running around wild, like doing all kinds of stuff. And I'll say like, I need to go in my room and have some quiet time to myself right now um, because I'm feeling like I'm going to get really frustrated and I don't want to start yelling at people and I have to do this. And so please respect my boundaries. And it's, it's easier now to do that than (laughs) when they were (laughs) little and toddlers and not verbal, you know, because they just don't understand, you know, um, but it's like I, I'll put my give myself a timeout. Like I think a timeout, um, yay for timeouts. <laughs> like, we all need timeouts, you know. And it's not a punishment. It's like, yeah. you know, if it's if it's too much, if the world is too much to handle, like it's important to to take some space. You give me a moment to defrag. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So with baby number two, um, you learn some additional lessons, and one of them that I like. Uh, this concept called gentle focus. Uh, what, what actually is gentle focus? Um, I, I feel like it's it's somewhere in between being like super concentrated, like this is what I'm doing, and kind of getting very hard and, and rigid around that, mm-hmm. but also not being too so relaxed and like that it's almost kind of like a laziness where the attention is kind of anywhere and and you're passively kind of being like boxed around so a a gentle focus to me is like okay this is you know my intention and but I'm I'm holding it gently you know it's not uh there's a a softness around that um and yes kind of like the the middle way you know between too much and too little so was there a point in the second child in your journey with the second child like a moment aha aha moment that you learned that you mean in the childbirth yeah. In the labor. Yeah. yeah. Um, I and I believe that chapter is about when I started spelling my son's name. I started is a long name. I started spelling it um, and using that as a focal point um, during the contractions, and that made this huge difference. That I had been. Um, I know people had told me before to you know focus on something, but <laughs> I, I had this idea that I was just going to like feel the pain and let it go through me, and that just did not work at all. <laughs> so much. Resistance, but once I kind of chose to focus on something that simple, because it was spelling his name, it wasn't going to require a whole bunch of mental effort. Um, mm-hmm. I could kind of do that without it needing too much from me mentally, but it was just enough of a focus to um, allow me to kind of like see each contraction just in its own. This is just one contraction, you know, and then then there's rest, and then I could start yeah. spelling again, and then there's rest. And that really made a huge difference for me. That that was kind of the turning point for me in that labor. Okay, okay. And I think I also read that you said something like less is more. So the second baby was like that turning point where you went from scouring the Internet and reading all the baby books to like, ah, you know, this is, this is, <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, do the delete. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the ways having a midwife was very helpful to me. She, my, that midwife, like early in that pregnancy, I had come in, I had Googled some, symptom I was having and she's like you are banned from the internet <laughs> for the rest of this pregnancy do not look up any health symptom on the internet you know and I have not I don't even I don't do that at all since then really like I don't do that with my kids illness anymore um, which I certainly did before but uh, yeah I realized that that get, gathering all that information and all these theories and you know 
you should be an attachment parent or all, all these different things was not helping me. I mean, I've, I have friends who that really does help them, but I think that they don't, I was taking it like rules to live by. Like if I didn't do this exactly right, then I was failing, you know. And so for me, getting all that information was really not, was a barrier to me tuning into my own intuition and like kind of finding my own way. And so once I kind of like stopped doing that, I mean, I noticed that with my, I, and the main thing I can think of is when my children get sick, but um, but also when I was pregnant, just sort of, well, how does it feel to me? You know, how is this, does this mm-hmm. feel alarming or is it just a sensation? And maybe this sensation will pass, you know, and um, that there, this is like a natural cycle of things that happen to the body and not, not getting so concerned about it or thinking some external source is what can tell me about my body or my children's yeah. body. Yeah, I mean, I you know, all of that ties in. There's so much societal pressure of like, you know, you should be this way, you should experience, I mean, and, and, and it should go this way. And people have individual situations. People have individual feelings. People have individual emotions. People have different bodies that react different ways. So, you know, if we're, we're trying to box ourselves with these little standardized pieces of information that we receive off of the Internet or off of a book or whatever, you know, that doesn't count for the uniquenesses of, of each individual. And, you know, like what works for Julia in her pregnancy might not have worked for Lana in her pregnancy, but we're, yeah. we're both reading the same book. We cause ourselves unnecessary <laughs> stress and, you know, you know, it, it just really kind of makes for the whole process of, of being pregnant and motherhood to um, be more stressful and complicated than it possibly has to be. Definitely. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I was toying around with the title for the book of somewhere along the lines of like, don't read any more advice books or something like that, you know. I it just was the best thing for me. I just I didn't open another pregnancy book, you know, like any of it, any how-to manual. Um, it's funny because sometimes I think I'm missing out on some just sort of interesting mm-hmm. uh, information because I really I just don't I don't want to be told how to do something and have that inform um, inform me before I've yet formed my own relationship with whatever's going on. I think one of the things, you know, maybe it was my saving grace with my own pregnancy, you know, and and there was this big time where I was trying to figure out, you know, if I was going to ask for medication, if the pain got to be much, you know, and I was, I would tell myself, well, you know, like my great, 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 great grandmother, you know, she didn't have books, she didn't have any medicine, she took it like a champ, you know, and that's going to be me, you know, so I, you know, I was kind of talking myself through like, okay, you know, there was a time period where we didn't have what we have today, so why can't I do it? like that, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it kind of, you know, got me to that point. Now, when labor came along, you know, and, and one of those contractions hit, I was screaming like a baby, like, okay, give yeah. me something, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but yeah. Luck- yeah. luckily for me, though, I was asking at a time where it was time for me to have her, so I, I didn't get it anyways, uh-huh. but, you know, <laughs> but right. still. Well, that's know. what makes it hard to do, do that, like your great-grandmother, you know, is because it's all, everything is so available. You know, mm-hmm. we ha- there's so much, and so it's it's hard to make choices. Um, and it, we hope these choices will make things easier, and sometimes they actually have the opposite effect. But it's just, that's why I feel like, you know, being, like, really inside the body, uh, in the moment, making a choice from what feels true to you is just so much, it's just a better guidance system than than looking to someone else's advice about, whether it's because they've studied the research or whether it's because that's what they did or whatever the reason is that they, you know, think they should be telling you what to do. <laughs> so now with three kids, you, you, you ever experienced those new moms, those first-time moms, and, you know, like they're like two weeks pregnant and they're like, oh, I can't do anything today, and you're kind of looking at them like, lady, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever encounter, like, new mothers and you're like, ooh, you have so much to learn. You have so far to go. Yeah, I do. And there's <laughs> just, uh, but there's nothing you can say, really. You know, I feel like that's, that's part of, um, it's almost like I think about what, what this might have been many generations ago, you know, and it's like this, mm-hmm. this like, sort of secret society of, of mothers, you know, that, like, know that this thing <laughs> happens to you as a woman, but... 
um, and you see kind of hints of it, but you don't really know how it happens. And I remember being like, well, I'm not going to be like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just continue living my life and then have children, you know? And, yeah. um, and not realizing that, like, trying to stop it from changing you is not, doesn't help at all, you know? Like, it's, um, I, I feel like it's a, it's a rite of passage that, and certainly you don't need to have children to, to go through these types of rites, you know? But it is one, rite of passage as a woman to um, go through that. But, yeah, it is, it's it's fun sometimes talking to like, newly pregnant women and just hearing, like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And, and inwardly I'm always like, okay, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, right. We'll see. I'll talk to you in a couple of years and see how that worked out for right, you. Right, right. <laughs> All right, Julie, we're going to take our last break of the day. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm hanging out with the author of the book, Lessons of Labor, One Woman's Self-Discovery Through Birth and Motherhood, Miss Julia Aziz. Now, Julia, um, about baby number three, you tell this really cute story that I like, and uh, you say um, you were at home, clearly in labor with the third child, and you were alone. You told your husband to go off to work. And so the two older sons, you know, they're playing around, doing what two young boys could do. And the oldest one comes to you and says, what are we doing today? And you replied, I have absolutely no idea, when clearly you knew you were in labor. And the little guy says to you, wow, that's so cool. Um, how, does it, how does it become cool or be- beneficial to, like, have no idea what we're going to do? Um, I think it's, it's sort of like what we were talking about before with not having time awareness, just sort of yeah. saying, like, anything could happen. And, <laughs> and the truth is that is how every moment of our life really are, you know. Is at any moment, anything could happen always, you know. And But when I have that awareness of it, um, it's it's just like kind of entering another dimension of of reality of like this is this is real like life is just happening and i might think that okay we're going to go to school and then we're going to do this and that and that but uh it's never it's no i'm not i don't get a preview you know (laughs) it's happening now Uh so how did that day play itself out uh your did you get them off to school or did they hang out with you or how did that whole day go down i I brought them to school um even though I, i knew i was in labor and um i just I'm not sure what what it was. It was it was. I mean, it mostly was that I knew my husband was only going to be able to take like five days off from work, and I wanted them to be once the baby came. <laughs> so I was like I'll just you know I'll just handle this on my own as long as uh-huh. I can do. And, um, so I I I brought him to preschool, and then the other one was home with me. He was two at the time, and um, we took a we took our stroller walk around the trail that I normally would do. Uh, did a loop with him and. Um, eventually it got more difficult and my husband picked up my son from preschool and left work a little early. And, um, mostly I was just kind of hanging around that day and doing my usual stuff and seeing what happened. And it wasn't until the afternoon, cause it had been, you know, maybe 11 hours by then that I talked to the midwife and she told me, oh, with third babies, you know, you can have that go on for a week. And I was mm. like, oh, really? <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, well, never mind then, you know, like I'm uh-huh. just going to, um, so I really just uh, wasn't that focused on it in a certain way. I mean, it was happening. I was having contractions every five minutes or so, sometimes ten minutes, but often mm. every five minutes, um, mild, but still definitely noticeable. And so we went out to dinner, um, walking around, watched a movie, um, and it wasn't until it all happened incredibly fast. Um, mm-hmm. Once all of once I finished my regular day. Yeah. Okay. So, so like that, uh, you know, the midwife walked in the door and caught the baby. Basically, it happened. Get fast. out of here! Wow. So the third one was born late at night, first in the, first thing in the morning. Uh, about eleven thirty at night. I think it, at about ten or so, I called the midwife because I had gotten confused about this herbs to calm the contractions. So I thought I was going to sleep. And while I was on the phone with her, she said, you know, you, you're pausing while we're talking. Like, I wonder if, if it's time for me to come over. Like, maybe it's 
progressing now. And I had been just so used to it happening and, you know, mm-hmm. not, nothing really progressing that I was like, well, I don't know, I'll call you in a while. Um, and then, I mean, that I, I got in the shower and I all of a sudden I found myself, like, crouching on the bottom of the shower. And I was like, why am I doing this? And then I realized, mm-hmm. like, oh, the baby's crowning. Like, the baby's coming out <laughs> right now. And, uh, yeah, my husband was on the phone with the midwife, like, talking to her as she was driving to our house and um, just, like, watching the baby's head. And <laughs> it was a little touch and go at the end. Wow. Very different, Julia, for the third child from the first child. Yes. Def- yeah, I was so <laughs> relaxed about that happening that I, I almost missed it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you know, just a baby, you know, we're just going to plop it out and be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my favorite part of that story was when when I was in the shower, I I did realize that the labor was getting stronger, and I asked my husband to go set up the for a home birth. You have to like protect the mattress and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like a whole kit of stuff to do. So I asked him to do that, and of course I had it all bagged up with the instructions and you know <laughs> everything all laid out and ready. And when I I walked out of the shower like dripping wet, like the baby crowning, and he had the futon in the dining room covered in kitchen garbage bags, like those white <laughs> garbage bags because yeah. he couldn't find a protector. And that was as far as he'd gotten. And I was like, this baby's coming out. And he's like, well, get on. And so I'm just like, I'm like, we're going to have to work on what we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too cute, too cute. So he was on board at all times with the midwife thing. I'm, I'm pretty, sometimes, you know, the, the childbirth process makes a man a little kind of, you know, squirmish, so. He is not, he's not squeamish at all. Yeah, he, um, he, he, he just, I think, found it fascinating. I mean, he, he's so not squeamish that when we were in that moment of, like, the midwife wasn't here yet, and he could see the head of the baby, you know, like, she was really coming, and um, he was like, well, you know, I've, I've watched two of them, like, <laughs> this catcher, and I was like, no, I want the midwife, like, I don't think so. But he was he was ready. He was like unfazed, which was yeah. a little concerning to me. He's truly a team player. Truly a team player. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you talk about uh, with the third baby. You also learned this concept called uh, productive distraction. Uh, it's kind of like a catchy little phrase there. What, what is mm-hmm. that one? Um, that was sort of what was going on that day in that third labor when I was you know, taking a walk and doing some errands and that sort of thing that um, sometimes, like, especially in in bigger life decisions, things going on, I can get, like, ruminating on a topic over and over Mm -hmm. again. And I think it can actually be productive to distract myself with with other things, sometimes everyday things or sometimes... um, just stuff that has to get done to, to take the mind away from whatever this big thing is. And at the moment, that was being in labor. Um, but it could be anything in life that is just sort of looming large. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Now, do you find being a mother to boys has been, because the, the, the youngest one is a girl, is motherhood to a daughter different or it all just blends in? I can't really tell if my different experiences with them you know, has to do with them as individuals or, mm-hmm. their, you know, where they are in the birth order. It's hard to say, but it definitely feels um, different. I think one thing I find really interesting is watching my daughter play with girls because I mm-hmm. have mostly just been around boy play and, and how um, sort of emotionally attuned they are with each other and how they they enter each other's fantasy play and, and we'll talk about how they feel and that they're mad or, you know, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. it's so different <laughs> than when being with boys and the way that they play and it's it's really um it's really been cool to watch and it's just you know i think it's it's a different relationship because i identify with my daughter in a different way because sort of yes yeah i i feel um i can remember being a young girl whereas with the boys it's um it's really helped me have so much more compassion for men i think yes okay. to see that they were all boys you know and that this and how vulnerable boys are, just like all human beings, you know, and that, um, yeah, I feel like it's given me greater compassion and understanding, and, and just to see how it's, um, one thing I, I love about raising boys is just their, this sort of like pure love and devotion. For yeah. Boys, you know? <laughs> and I know that that won't necessarily always be mm-hmm. the case, but right now we're still in that, that nice window, and, um, 
and I can see how even though like they're maybe not as verbal about their about that, like they're physical about it, and yeah, uh, and yeah, and my my middle son especially, he's very interested in all things masculine and feminine, and I'm watching him sort of struggle with that somewhat. Um, yeah, has has really been eye opening for me, and um, I really just want to encourage him to be himself and not have his yeah. gender define him. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, they say that the um, bond between sons and their mother is, you know, incredibly strong. You know, I've, I've heard so many men say, you know, I was the guy who took you off the football practice and all this stuff, but as soon as you get a scholarship and you're on TV, the first person you thank is like, I want to thank my mm-hmm. mom. So, you know, there's always this very unique and precious relationship um, sons have with their um, mother. Now, really, I want to ask you real quick before we get out here, um, you do have a, uh, the youngest is a girl, and we, we know that it's way, 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 way in the future, but, you know, we're hoping one day she becomes a mother um what what would be the one piece of advice that you give to her especially when you see her pick up one of these you know how-to pregnancy books or something what what would be the piece of advice you give to her in her own journey um i think really just to trust and love herself okay really yeah i I feel like that's um kind of that self-compassion and 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 trust really whether it's trusting herself or just kind of trusting in the universe um, I feel like becoming a mother is just so much unknown and caring so much about somebody that you can't protect from everything that could ever happen and a sense of trust, you know, is um, precious. Mm-hmm. Awesome advice. Awesome, awesome advice. Well, we are at the end of the hour, dear. Uh, how do people pick up a copy of the book? They can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online or they can order it through their local bookstore. Awesome, awesome. My guest today has been Julia Aziz. Please visit her, her website, Julia Aziz, A-Z-I-Z dot com. Julia, thank you for hanging out with, with me today. Thank you so much. It was really nice to meet you. Likewise, likewise. That is all for this show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll see you all next week. <music>